Hey there, you're listening to episode five of the Down on the Farm podcast, and I'm your host, Brian Grosnick. The Down on the Farm podcast is a companion to the Down on the Farm newsletter available for subscription on Substack, where we cover all things minor league baseball with a professional data-driven point of view. Uh, Today's guest is Melissa Lockard of The Athletic, who covers The Athletic's kind of weird thing to say there, but cover the athletics and the giants for uh, the athletics. So Melissa, thank you so much for joining. Thank you. Yeah, it makes for a very confusing elevator pitch when I'm talking to people. <laughs> it's got to be challenging, but no, it's um, your coverage of the athletics and the giants seems to be focused a little bit more on the minor league side. So we're really excited about having you on the show. Um, I got really familiar with your work as I was researching the athletics, the, the team, the Oakland athletics, uh, <laughs> ahead of working on the Baseball Prospectus Annual this year. Um, they have a really interesting farm system, a lot of really interesting players involved, which probably has to do with their uh, their recent transactions and their focus on on bringing in some younger players. But I'd love to get a feel for you know some of the players you've seen so far this spring on the athletic side and on the giant side, and um, what's really jumped out to you as, uh, as really fun, interesting, cool stuff heading into the 2023 season. Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, for the A's in particular, it's been a big transition over the last 12 months. I think I was adding it up um, yesterday and that from the start of March last year, whenever the the lockout ended to now, they've made seven really significant trades, which is, Mm -hmm. I think, um, probably as many as you're ever going to see. You know, even Jerry DePoto couldn't pull that off with the Mariners to have that many very significant trades in such a short period of time. And obviously, every single one of those was focused on bringing in younger players. So there's been a huge influx of talent. Um, I think they also felt very strongly about uh, their 2021 draft class. Um, And I think, uh, you know, the, the 2020 season was really difficult for player development all across baseball, but um, it particularly hit the A's hard in that they were needing to add depth to their farm system. And not only did, you know, you not have a season for those guys, but you also only had five draft picks. And so um, when you have a system that was thin to begin with, to not have a full complement of 20 or, you know, back before all of this 40 players, um, you know, really hurt their ability to field uh, deep teams throughout the system. So uh, I think it's still a bit of a top heavy system. I think that the talent still drops off quicker than they would like, but I think they're making um, a lot of progress towards building up the depth that, uh, you know, they had been really looking to do with a lot of these trades and um, in pitching in particular, I think it's been interesting to see the last couple of years, they've really focused their drafting on position players Um and I don't know that it's like a hard and fast money ball type um, philosophy, but I do get the sense that they feel that finding kind of superstar talent on the position player side might be easier right now, or um, at least more attainable in a draft type situation than maybe in other situations around the game. Um, okay. And that trading for pitchers that are a little bit closer to the big leagues and you have a little bit more of a sense of who they're going to be um, is sort of the way that they've gone about building up their pitching depth again. So I think you saw that with the way they handled a lot of the trades and the way that their last two draft classes have broken down. But um, they now have quite a bit of position player depth uh, throughout the system, especially up the middle um, in the in the infield in particular, but even starting to stack up a bit in center field and behind the plate. Um, and it was that behind the plate depth that sort of allowed them to make that deal with Atlanta in trading Sean Murphy over this past off season. Um, so I think, you know, they feel like they're trending up. I, I would, um, you know, say that like nationally, they don't have the same 
um, kind of optimism is internally, if that makes sense. It's not exactly matching up the same way, but I think what they see are a bunch of players that they can project being big leaguers and maybe there's not as many like super high ceiling guys as some other systems might have. Um, but I think they have very high expectations for what the floors for a lot of these guys are going to be. And I think they do feel like they have a couple of superstars in there. Um, so, you know, that's kind of where they're at right now. Um, with the Giants, you know, they're really trying to figure out how they can kind of get back to what the progress that they made was in 2021 when it was really sort of a system on the rise. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they they had a couple of performances that were really strong. I think Kyle Harrison in particular last year uh, was one that they, they could really hang their hat on. But there were a lot of guys that struggled with injuries, Marco Luciano and Luis Matos in particular. Uh, you know, you had first round picks like Hunter Bishop and, and Patrick Bailey sort of struggling to really get some traction. And, you know, Will Bednar hardly threw at all after being yeah. their top pick in 2021. So um, I think they really like the class they came out with in 2022 is sort of an opposite to the A's. They've gone very pitcher friendly, uh, pitcher heavy, excuse me, um, in their last two draft classes. Um, and they really have pitching development almost down to an art. Uh, you see, you know, they've got like a million, it seems like mid, mid round guys, that come out of nowhere throwing 98 with nasty breaking balls. Um, they've got that pitching lab uh, kind of humming at this point. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they, you know, if they feel like they can start developing those guys in the mid rounds, if they do start trying to turn more of their attention towards position players in the higher rounds, um, you know, in upcoming drafts, of course, you know, I, I say they were very pitcher focused in last year's draft, but you could make the argument that Reggie Crawford, their top pick was actually a position player because he's both. Right. So yeah, um, I think we have to wait and see what's going to happen there. But um, but it's a very interesting farm system. I mean, you know, I think they had seven guys taken in the in the uh, minor league portion of the rule five draft, which I've never seen in all the years I've covered, you know, the, the uh, minor league rule five drafts. And, and I think that's sort of um, yeah, it's amazing, right? Like, I think that's sort of an indication of the depth that they have of like solid players. Even if the mm -hmm. superstar type players took a step back, they still did have quite a big chunk of, of solid players, but that was a big loss. So they're going to have to kind of make up for that depth a little bit this year. Yeah, no, I could definitely see that. So um, let's kind of stay with the Giants for a second. So Luciano is one of those top top tier of prospects in all of baseball. Mm -hmm. um, it, it didn't seem like he progressed the same way that a lot of analysts and hope probably the organization was looking towards um, in 2022. He's going to, it looks like he's going to start 2023 in double A. Um, he was with the, um, the, the full complement of spring players earlier on in the, um, in spring training, if I understand correctly, how has he looked so far this year? Yeah, so he he was added to the forty man roster in the off season along with with Luis Matos, um, and unfortunately he didn't really get to play because he had um, the back issue that really kind of scuttled his whole season last year. Um, yeah. Cropped up again when he was playing in the DR over the winter, and when he came into camp, he was still dealing with that. Um, he is back to playing now. Uh, he, he I saw video. Um, yesterday of him, you know, playing in a minor league game. Um, so he's, he's worked his way back. I think he's probably, he may be on a little bit of a restriction when the season starts, but I think he will start on time. Um, but you know, the back thing is a concern, right? Cause he's a bigger bodied shortstop already. 
Um, and when you start to have injuries to things that involve mobility, I, you know, I think that that is a concern for whether he can stay at, at that position or not um, long term. But, you know, in terms of before the injury, you know, he actually looked like he was really trending up. I think his pitch decisions were a lot better. Um, mm-hmm. he, he had really struggled after a promotion late in, in the 2021 season from San Jose to Eugene and had really turned around how he was uh, doing at that level. Um, and then the back thing came. Uh, he didn't really get a chance to get going again. And, in, you know, the way that numbers get skewed in small you know, sample sizes when you didn't play a full season, it, it sort of dragged down what progress he had made. But um, I still think there's a lot of optimism for the power speed guy that he can be. Um, and if he can't be a shortstop, he certainly has the arm to be a third baseman or a right fielder. So, you know, I think he's, he'd still be a very, very useful player. Um, but, you know, anytime you have a significant injury like that with a player as young as he is, I think, you know, there's a little bit of concern there. Yeah, and I think we've seen back injuries at least slow down uh, people with that kind of prospect profile. His hands still seem quick. Uh, the bat speed is definitely still there. And and again, you know, he was in his age twenty season last year in Eugene. So and he still managed ten home runs in those two hundred thirty plate appearances. So it's not like there's a complete collapse based on even you know the injury that he's been seeing. But you know, maybe maybe looking to the future, maybe we might see a move off shortstop. Maybe we might see a little bit of a difference in his profile. That's really. Um, um, kind of what what I think a lot of us from the outside are, are seeing. But the team still seems pretty high on him, I, I would understand, and, and still think that he's going to be a big part of the uh, future of that franchise going forward. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting. I don't know how much, um, you know, you've, you've kind of looked into Casey Schmidt, but, you know, he emerged um, not only as he, I think, would be a gold glove type third baseman if he came up right now. Um, but because Luciano was hurt and they were both on the same roster last year, Schmidt actually got quite a bit of time at shortstop and they've used him a little bit at that position this spring. And I think they actually would feel like that could be an option for them as well. So you could almost see the two of them switching spots um, and still being able to be on the same roster in a future Giants uh uh, lineup, you know, not not too far down the road. So uh, I think that was a pretty interesting development. I don't know that they would have projected him as a shortstop uh, Schmidt um, coming out of college, but his mobility is is pretty impressive for a guy his size, and the arm strength and the hands are, are really outstanding. And, and again, he's another guy who seems to have a lot of power potential. So you know, would definitely if he could stick at shortstop, I think that would make a really really solid overall player. Um, or even if he is as good as advertised at third base, I mean, he could still be perfectly uh, a big part of the Major League Giants team going through there. Um, he's a little bit older for the le- for the levels that he played in last year, but um, still, you know, you can't argue with his offensive performance that he had last year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, part of the being older thing is a lot of those guys that came out of that 2020 draft, it was just mm-hmm. a virtue of, some organizations said, okay, let's pretend that year happened and put you at the level you would have been at. And some organizations said, no, you know, you didn't actually play at that level. Let's play at the levels you would have played if we had started you in 2020 instead of 2021. Um, And the Giants have taken the latter approach with almost all their guys. So their college guys tend to be a little bit older right now, just because of what the pandemic kind of did for seeding. But um, he made it all the way up to AAA by the end of last year. So I think he's on a track to, to make his debut this season. Oh, that's great. Well, let's um let's kind of round out some of the Giants' top prospects. Um, we we can't talk about the Giants' top prospects without talking about Kyle Harrison and the the kind of outstanding season that he had last year. Um, what is the team thinking there? Is he 
is he going to be fast tracked to the big leagues? Is he going to take some more time for development in AAA this year? I mean, he's been he was so outstanding last year. Um, I'd have to think the team is kind of uh, chomping at the bit to get him up to the major leagues and ready to to be a part of the rotation. Yeah, you know, I think they don't want to rush him, but I think had he come into big league camp this spring and, you know, thrown 12 shutout innings, um, I think it would have been hard pressed for them not to have him break camp with them. Um, I think his performance is going to dictate when he comes. He did struggle a little bit, so that made the decision a lot easier for them. Um, And probably in the long run, actually, it will help him. I think sometimes those types of speed ups, especially for pitchers, um, are never quite as helpful as they seem like they should be because there is some finishing touches that need to happen at the AAA level. Um, So, yeah, I think he'll start the season with AAA Sacramento and uh, the Giants are very deep in starting pitching. I think they can go about eight deep uh, where legitimately um, in their major league rotation right now. So it's not like they have a need for him. But um, I think if he is, you know, kind of carving through the Pacific Coast League the first couple of months of the season, they won't hesitate to create a spot for him because I think they envision him and Logan Webb being at the top of their rotation for a very long time. There's some command issues that still, you know, especially yeah. within the strike zone that still need to be worked out. But the stuff. Uh, is really good. The deception is is outstanding. I don't know that left-handers see him at all, and even right-handers have a tough time picking him up. Um, and you know that release point is so unusual for somebody his size and and throwing from the left side that um, I, you know I think it's it's hard for hitters to really square in on him. There's a chance that if they were competing and they needed him in a bullpen role, that he could come up that way. But I think um, you know long term they really project him to be a starter so as long as they can keep developing him as a starter this season they'd probably prefer to go that route sure i mean age 20 113 i think innings total last year across both levels um you know it wouldn't be a possibility really for him to throw more than you know a 20 to 30 inning bump regardless this year if he were going to be trying to be pushed to the majors or the minors so taking it slow with him does seem to make a lot of sense there yeah absolutely just um, I'll, I'll swap over while we're talking about young pitchers, and you talked about the Giants being a really deep rotation at the major league level. Um, on the other side, the Oakland Athletics do not have what I would call a deep major league baseball uh, rotation. There's a lot of candidates. There's been a lot of people that they brought in over the last couple of, um, really over the last eighteen months, who who could be fitting in well with the major league rotation, but a lot of unprovenness, a lot of guys who got their starts last year and are just kind of emerging. So. Going through the the spring training this year, who do you see kind of coming out of this mix, especially now that Cole Irvin's gone? What do you think about the the young starting pitchers that are that are possibly going to be moving into the athletics rotation both to start the season and as 2023 goes on? Yeah, you know, I think right now injuries are actually going to open some more spots than I think maybe would have been there um, you know, before spring started. Um, it looks like Drew Ruchinski may start the season on the injured list with a strained hamstring, and, and Paul Blackburn is definitely going to start the season on the injured list with a fingernail issue. So, uh, you know, that's two spots that were going to be given to veteran pitchers that now I think would be focused on some of those younger guys. Uh, Shintaro Fujinami is also going to be on like a every seventh day. Uh, schedule. So some days, there's some weeks that'll mean that they're on a six starter um, rotation. Some they can do if off days with a five, but um, in any case, it's it's going to be a lot more hands on deck than just your five pitchers that you might see with some other teams. So, you know, I think 
Ken Waldachuk and Kyle Muller, um, you know, have strong chances of being in that rotation, you know, regardless of how they performed in spring, just given the the attrition that's happening a little bit. Um, Adam Aller, uh, I think, gets, you know, forgotten a little bit because he was pretty disappointing last season, but has looked much better this spring. I think has thrown a lot um a lot better, a lot more like he did in the Mets uh, organization before that trade. I think he'll have a chance to to be a starter again, at least while uh, either Richinski or Blackburn are, are rehabbing. Um, J.P. Sears is, I think they were sort of envisioning him being kind of like a swing guy um, where he mm-hmm. might be in the rotation sometimes and be a guy that piggybacks other times. Um, but, you know, with the way things are breaking out now, he could just actually be like a regular starter. Um, it does look like James Caprillion is going to be ready for opening day. There was some um, he'd had a, a minor uh, cleanup surgery in the offseason, but he he threw, I think, four innings uh, yesterday. So he certainly seems like he's on track to, to be able to um, be in that opening day rotation. So, um, you know, I think those are kind of what you're looking at now. And then there's, you know, there's next wave guys that I think are going to take a little bit longer. Um, Adrian Martinez was already sent back down. He did look pretty good and he pitched uh, a little bit in the WBC, but didn't get a chance to really get built up as much this spring, but he could certainly make himself a candidate, um, you know, pretty early on. Um, And, you know, I think uh, Luis Medina, they're going to start him in the AAA rotation. I think, you know, most people um, around the game and probably even internally assume at some point that the bullpen is going to be his home, but um, they're going to give him a chance to continue to develop as a starter. And you never know, you know, like a guy that could throw 102 with a breaking ball like that. I think they're going to they're going to see if they can can get him uh, enough command to be a a back end starter, at least. But um, you know, at some point, I think he'll factor either the rotation or the bullpen uh, this year. So I, I think those are sort of the immediate guys. And then as you get more towards the back end of the season, I think that's when you would might see the Mason Millers and the JT Gins, um, who are going to start the season in double A, but certainly have the, you know, pedigree and um, the talent to, to move up pretty quickly and, and jump into a major league rotation by mid season. Yeah, I'm not sure that anybody really jumped up as much um, in prospect hounds eyes as Mason Miller, especially once he got into the AFL and there were a few more eyes on him last year. He was a really exciting uh, combination of stuff and and being able to come off his previous injury issues to really emerge as somebody who, who people really had to stand up and take notice of. He's made it onto a number of top 100 lists uh, for prospects you know, nationally this year. So he seems like a really interesting guy. I'm also really interested in Hogan Harris. I don't know if his mm-hmm. long-term uh, future is going to be in the bullpen or in the rotation, but if um, if he's able to deal with some of his command issues, I mean, there's a lot of potential in him as well. Um, and another guy like Miller, who's a little bit older on the um, on the prospect side, but definitely has the kind of stuff that you'd think could be a factor for the athletics going forward. Yeah, you know, he's he's such an interesting guy because whenever he's pitched, he's pitched well. He just literally hasn't pitched that much because he's he's had so many injuries, unfortunately. But he's been healthy. Um, he got a little time in big league camp. Uh, you know, he's on the 40-man roster. He's going to start in the AAA rotation as well. Um, I think he's not quite as stretched out as some of the other guys yet. So he'll probably be in a piggyback situation to begin the year. Uh, I would sort of assume that just given, you know, the lack of innings and the health concerns and the fact that like 
in a short spurt, he doesn't have to worry about like a third and fourth pitch um, that the bullpen will ultimately be where he settles in. I think he could be quite an effective reliever, but um, I think Mm -hmm. they'll like with Medina continue to try to get as much, uh, you know, out of having him in a rotation and working on those extra pitches as they can. No, that's, that's very cool. So from your perspective, it looks like with the injuries and the different issues that are coming up, you'd expect to see more of Sears and Waldachuk and maybe Adam Oler um, taking the first couple of turns through the rotation as the season gets started. And then maybe some other guys filling in as uh, Fujinami gets his rest or as the season goes on. And, and, and hopefully some of the pitchers like Blackburn and, uh, and um, Ruchinski are able to get back into the mix. Yeah, yeah. I don't think either of them have injuries that, that, you know, should linger for really long, but I think it'll probably keep them back, um, at least especially for Blackburn, at least a couple weeks. Sure. Okay. And then as far as the position player side of the athletics, so you mentioned a little bit about that um, 2021 draft where they kind of had a really nice run of things at the start of that draft. It was you know, they got Max Muncie in the first round, Zach Eloff, Mason Miller, Denzel Clark, who's actually, I think, a really interesting player. And, and I'm really excited to see more of as the season goes on. So, I mean, that was a pretty special um, draft that right now looks like it's really refreshing that pipeline of positional players um, that are going to be coming up into the double A AA and triple A levels in the next year. So are there any of those guys who really stood out during the spring or any other um, positional players on the um, on the athletic side who have really uh, kind of made their case for being a big part of the future going forward this spring. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, Geloff is a guy they just absolutely love. Um, He didn't get as much time in camp just because he went off and and played in the WBC, but um, you know, they've, they've loved everything they've seen from him since the moment they, they signed him and he's going to be the everyday second baseman in Las Vegas until, you know, it comes time that he becomes the everyday second baseman uh, for the A's. I think that's sort of their, their vision. Um, you know, he, he and, and Tyler Soderstrom and, um, are kind of the start of that core, you know, that, that they're hoping that they would be able to rebuild kind of similar to the way that Matt Chapman and Matt Olson were, were a big part of that last core. Um, you know, from that 2021 draft, I think gets forgotten a lot is that Brett Harris was a little bit further down, uh, on that list, but he's a, another yep. really underrated guy, um, older for the levels, but moved really quickly has improved at every level he's played at outstanding defensive third baseman, uh, controls the strike zone really well at the plate has shown more power than he did in college. Um, and just a really solid overall player. Um, and he's going to start, uh, every day at third base in, in Midland, um, at double a level. And, uh, you know, I think he's a guy they could envision being their everyday third baseman in a year or two. Um, but I think the real star of camp was uh, Lawrence Butler, who, uh, you know, was a, a high school draft pick back um, before the pandemic, didn't really do a lot its first year and a half as a pro player, um, and then basically remade himself as a player while he was home during the pandemic, had a big 2021 season, uh, had a much better 2022 season than I think people realize, uh, you know, the, that Midwest League weather was so horrible those first th- three weeks that kind of pulled down everybody's numbers. Um, but he was really good after May 1st. And then he had a kind of a freak accident where he, uh, he was sliding into second base and had a fractured forearm that kept him out for a little while, but came back red hot, played really well in the fall league. And then I, I would say he was the A's best player this spring. I mean, you know, like that's, I know that's, that's a kind of a big statement for a guy that wasn't, um, you know, his first year on the 40 man roster, but um, you know, hitting line drives to all fields, showing power, uh, working the count, runs really, really well, 
Uh, he still needs to improve his outfield defense. I think that's the thing that they're going to have him really focus on in double A because it, he's a, a solid first baseman, but they'd really like him to be a right fielder. So um, getting him to be more consistent with his roots out there will be a big, a big point for him, but you know, he's got power, he's got speed, he's got patience and that growing confidence that, um, you know, I think it really allows players to blossom into, you know, the best of their abilities. And so uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the near future with the A's as well. Um, Jordan Diaz was another guy that didn't get a whole lot of time um, in front of the big league coaches because he was in the WBC. But, um, you know, he's he, he's a guy that has just hit at every single level he's played at um, a lot more opposite field power than I think people realize. Um, really great bat to ball skills. Um, doesn't actually walk a lot, but he makes, you know, decent pitch decisions and um, they got to find a more permanent defensive home for him, but he's going to play first. He's going to play second. He's going to play third in, in Vegas um, to start the year. Uh, and, and he could end up sort of morphing into like a Max Muncy type of player in terms of where he moves around in the infield um, in order to get his bat in the lineup. Um, and you know, I think he's only 21, 22. So, um, still really young, but, but a guy that could blossom into uh, a really outstanding all around hitter. Yeah. I, I love watching Jordan Diaz hit. He is a guy who makes, um, the game a lot more fun the way that he has kind of that aggressive approach at the plate and really does tend to have those really high end bat to ball skills. And then, like you said, he, I mean, he can push it out of the park pretty well. I think he had something like 15 or 20 home runs last season across the minor league levels. I was a little bit surprised. I guess I shouldn't have been that he didn't get more of a look in big league camp this, uh, this spring, but I would, uh, I would expect him to, especially due to his versatility to be somebody that we see more of this year and next year. Uh, at the big league level. Yeah. And he would have gotten more at bats if he hadn't gone off to play with team Columbia, but you know, he was a, a big part of that team Columbia squad that had a number of established big leaguers on it. And I think that speaks to how impressive he's been even on an international stage um, already in his young career that, you know, they were really counting on him to be an important part of their lineup. And, you know, with guys like Gio Yushila and some of these other ones that have been in the big leagues a long time. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's, he's again, one of these guys that I think is uh, maybe underrated just because the physical body doesn't look like somebody that you would think would be like a middle of the order force, but he hits like a guy a lot bigger than he is. So, then I'll take it back to the Giants for a short period, I think, to to kind of close this out. Was there anybody really impressed you in the spring um, or impressed the coaches that you'd like to talk through um, on the um, on the San Francisco side? Uh, it can be a prospect or it can be a non-prospect. Um, anybody who you expect to make a, a big impression at the minor league level this year or did something particularly interesting that you'd want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, Bryce Johnson is not like your stereotypical prospect, but he he's sort of emerging late in camp as a guy that, you know, could factor into the Giants uh, center field situation. They ha- they don't really have like a true center fielder and, yeah. and Austin Slater is already dealing with an injury. So there's a little bit of uncertainty there. And he leads all of minor league or all of major league players in stolen bases so far this spring. Um, he, he needs to hit a little bit in order to stick in the big league level, but he's an outstanding defensive center fielder. And he's always been a high volume base dealer, even before the rule changes. So I think when you look at a world where uh, the rule changes will encourage running, uh, you know, he could be someone who could be a real weapon uh, off the bench. Um, I think their rule five pick Blake Sable is someone that they've really liked a lot. And he's um, a, 
pretty strong bet at this point to make the opening day roster. Uh, he's been better, I think, than they expected behind the plate um, and is, you know, also someone they can use in the outfield. Um, so, you know, you never know with rule five picks, somebody, they could be real excited about him. And then two weeks into the season, they give him back to the team that came from, but, um, but he, he is someone I think who's opened some eyes this spring. Um, and, you know, even if he did end up back in Pittsburgh, uh, I think has a, a big league, uh, future just based on how well he's played so far this spring. Um, and, you know, I think we'll look for, and I, I don't know that this is a sleeper obviously, cause he's like the number three prospect in the system, but I think Luis Matos will have a better season this year, uh, than he did last year. I think, um, you know, there were injuries and then just being young, really young at that level and a difficult league to hit in, in the Northwest league, things just sort of piled up on him a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. but the talent still was there again, another outstanding defender, um, out in center field and uh, can run really well. And, and I'll th- I think he'll figure it out and, and end up being a really uh, solid player eventually. Yeah, I think with the the kind of the specific big league mix that the Giants have in the outfield with, uh, you know, the new additions of Conforto and Hanniger going with Yastrzemski, it, it's going to really be a, a strong carrying tool for some of these younger um, outfielders like Matos and Johnson to be able to play a good uh, defensive center field. Because, you know, again, you mentioned Austin Slater, but these two guys in Matos and, and Johnson are, are really just kind of outstanding players that you could kind of plug in if they can figure out the bat sooner rather than later. Yeah. And and I, I think I'll throw one more out there too. Again, not a sleeper because he was a first round pick, but I think, you know, a lot of people have probably written off Patrick Bailey a little bit just based on mm-hmm. the, the hitting numbers, but um, you know, they really like the defense and they feel like the hitting, especially from uh, the net, the left side was a lot better than, um, you know, the right side numbers kind of really skewed what, what was going on with him offensively. Um, but I think it would not be shocking if he actually made it up to the big leagues by the end of the season, their, their catching situation is pretty unsettled because I don't think Joey Bart has really like run away with that job and, and they don't really have much else behind him. Um, so a really solid defender like Bailey who, who can hit for a little bit of power and take a walk is someone I think is going to be pretty attractive to them by the end of the year. No, that that sounds really interesting. I, it's it's interesting though because the Giants do seem to have some interesting other guys um, as catching prospects. Um, who's uh, slips my mind? I'm gonna have to look him up. Uh, Auerbach, uh, Brett oh, Auerbach, mm-hmm. yeah, would, could be an interesting guy going forward. Yeah, you know, he's more of a Sable type type guy. Where I mean, he's caught more, but um, you know, he he'd be kind of more of like a third catcher slash can play everywhere kind of guy. They do really like him. He's gotten up um, in big league camp quite a bit. Um, His year was a little bit down last year compared to his 2021 season, like so many of the guys throughout the system, Um, but kind of a spark plug type player. um, One of those rare catchers who's going to hit lead off and and steal some bases for you. Um, So if he can get back on track, like he was in 2021 and and hit for average, like he was, um, I, you know, I think he is somebody that'll work his way back into that picture. Nice. Well, I won't keep you any longer. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us and talk through some of these players today. Um, I'd like to give you a chance to plug anything you've got coming up or anything you find interesting before I uh, let you go for the day. Yeah, thanks so much. So, uh, you know, on The Athletic right now, we're actually having a a $12 for a full year subscription deal for the next few days. So if, if you aren't already a subscriber, it's of course not just uh, A's and Giants baseball that we cover. There's like basically every sport in the world that you can dig dig deep on. So I uh, highly encourage you guys to come over with that. We're going to have a ton of uh, content leading into opening day. And, and I'll, as I mentioned, 
to you before the call, I spoke with uh, Ed Sprague, the A's Farm Director, yesterday, and I'll have that story coming up on Friday morning if you guys want to check that out. So, um, yeah, thanks again for having me. This was great. No, no problem at all. It's uh, the coverage that you have specifically of these two teams, but the athletics coverage of, um, you know, prospects and minor league baseball, in addition to, you know, everything else, the athletic is just a powerhouse when it comes to baseball coverage. So we definitely recommend everybody go ahead and take advantage of that subscription deal. I certainly um, am a subscriber and I recommend that everybody else does too, because it's great. And you get to read Melissa uh, so frequently. And like I mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, just an absolutely essential uh, voice for for keeping up with um, what's going on in the athletics and the uh, Giants organization. So thank you again. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. And I love reading your guys' stuff too. So it's a uh, it, ditto back to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is going to do it for this episode of Down on the Farm podcast. Uh, for more great minor league baseball content, including scores, profiles, new data and metrics, and daily updates on the slate of minor league games, visit us at downonthefarm.substack.com or on Twitter at downonthefarm12. Uh, subscriptions to our newsletter are available at monthly and annual rates. I think you'll find we're very affordable, not quite as affordable as this uh, athletic deal, but we're pretty good. Um, and we've got over 1,500 subscribers right now and plenty of MLB insiders, so definitely check us out. Stop by your local podcast provider, too, and subscribe to our podcast and rate and review us with a five-star rating if you've enjoyed the show. But I'm Brian, and we'll see you all next week. Bye.